You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, when I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to site now, we're already looking at the fallout of Week 10, the playoff picture that has emerged from Reality NFL, as well as looking at fantasy football early there, the waiver wire, sleepers and busk, early look at the rankings as well for Week 11. We'll dive all into that here on Locked On Fantasy Football on Matchup Wednesday, Matchup Thursday. We'll have Pickup Tuesday looking at the waiver wire as well tomorrow, but we got to look at what happened just now and uh, kind of make sense of it all here for you on Roundup Monday to kick off this week of Locked On Fantasy Football. Welcome back in. Good luck if you still have someone going tonight in the Rams 49ers game and uh, Congratulations if you took care of business and you did the right things here on Sunday. If you didn't, if things didn't work out the way you wanted, we got you covered here too with our reactions to everything we saw. So we'll dive into those uh, 12 games here in a moment. But thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right, uh, the first game we'll talk about, and uh, this was a good get-well game for the Cowboys offense. The Cowboys rolled over the Falcons in this one. It wasn't even close. Uh, from the beginning, the Cowboys were all over it. Falcons can generate any offense here at all. I mean, it was just a struggle for Matt Ryan to get the ball downfield. Kyle Pitts had an okay game, but Cordell Patterson was quieted. He didn't get enough touches here. Wayne Gallman ended up being the highest scorer there for the Falcons. So, you know, things are not great when your offense gets totally shut down. So really disappointing because Matt Ryan was very encouraging last week. He did whatever he wanted to do against the Saints defense. Faced a similar Cowboys defense here with one cornerback to worry about there and Trayvon Diggs. Not even the garbage times were put up here. And uh, we don't want him dragging down Patterson and Pitts when he's this bad. But remember, the Falcons are limited offense. Uh, Russell Gage was blanked. Calvin Ridley missed another game. Olamide Zacchaeus limited to volume when he's in the game. So really... The Falcons can go to the tank at any time because they just don't have a lot of weapons. And if things get really bad and out of hand, they can get really into a tough spots. So the Falcons, if you notice, when Matt Ryan puts up games, it's when they're in competitive games. When it's garbage time like this, it doesn't come. So we thought there was going to be a little bit more back and forth on this one. But Matt Ryan, really hard to trust, especially without Calvin Ridley in the lineup. And we'll see if Ridley can return. I doubt he's going to be in the lineup here for Thursday night against the Patriots. But... Wayne Gallman, someone to watch. Maybe they finally got tired of Mike Davis here, trying to plug him in behind Cordero Patterson as a hybrid player. Patterson, remember, is needed at wide receiver two to help but there uh, with Pitts being the big target there at tight end. So really disappointing overall. You got uh, some game out of Pitts if you were looking for that in this one, but Falcons really were terrible here on the road in Dallas. And Dallas rebounded big time from that Broncos disaster last week. CeeDee Lamb came flying out, made a big play early, had a couple touchdowns. They took him out early or late in the game with an arm contusion, but the game was so far out of hand that he probably could have played if they needed him. So don't worry about that, but Amari Cooper was bottled up a little bit in this game, but it was a Lamb game. So really, in the end, Lamb is 
operating more Dak Prescott's number one. And what's going to hurt Amari Cooper here is that Michael Gallup is also seen as interchangeable. He came back calf injury from injured reserve, and he was effective right away. Made some plays for them, but this was the Lamb show, and then this game got way out of hand. The Cowboys also had a couple rushing touchdowns from Ezekiel Elliott. Not a big rushing day, but enough with those two scores and his receiving work. Tony Pollard was also pretty decent here in relief uh, as they just controlled the game and they had time to give Pollard the ball here. So, decent flex uh, to RB2 option from Pollard. Uh, Elliott, with those scores, are paraded as the RB1 he should be. And then Dak Prescott had those two touchdowns to the Lamb and he uh, punctuated things with his own rushing touchdown there to really put things away against the Falcons. So, good game for Prescott overall. That's what you're looking for. Cooper was really the lone disappointment for the Cowboys. Gallup, if you played him, you got decent results there as a wide receiver. Three, if you're desperate, Lamb smashed it as a wide receiver. One here for Dallas. And the Dallas defense, Trayvon Diggs had an interception. They made big plays. Dan Quinn revenge game pays off for them as well. So, you can play the Cowboys defense who are disappointed with the Broncos matchup. You got the redemption here against the Falcons. All right. Let's uh, flip over to this Jaguars-Colts game. This was pretty boring. This was in Indianapolis. Good thing that Jonathan Taylor came through, looked good early, and smashed it against the Jaguars because the Colts just stopped uh, trying to score. Michael Pittman uh, got his uh, game there in the end. wasn't spectacular. Didn't find the end zone. Barely broke the 70-yard barrier here. So Carson Wentz was off all game. And we thought Wentz, playing off the run, would have an easy time of it, just like we saw in the Jets game at home against his defense. But... And they kind of just said the Jaguars are not scoring. There's not much here for us. So let's just grind it away, not take chances. They kind of went into a shell there with Wentz. And Wentz was off when they were trying to get things downfield going as well. So really disappointing there for Wentz overall to not have a touchdown pass, not to break at 200 yards. Some things he was doing consistently here over the last several weeks. So the matchup like this is very disappointing. It's just like... Uh, Josh Allen last week against the Jaguars, uh, very uh, tough to watch that with Wentz. But, yeah, Taylor is still the guy. Pittman is in your lineup every week as well, wide receiver. Everything else we're not looking too much here consistently unless you need him. Uh, the Colts do get the Buccaneers this week, so we'll see if Wentz can rebound there. There's going to be some opportunities against that secondary. Might have to throw a little bit more as Taylor might be a bit contained by the Bucks uh, secondary. So there's also uh, things to look at there. So, we got a couple weeks. We do have uh, the Buccaneers and Colts this week. Uh, the Bills and Colts, I think you're going to avoid him in that matchup as much as possible. Being another team that can take away the run, but they were actually a nasty pass defense. So we'll, we might uh, pump the brakes on Carson Wentz here after this uh, clunker performance here over the next two weeks. Now, let's look at the Jaguars side of things here. Not much to see. Trevor Lawrence didn't do much. Jamal Agnew, yet another solid game. So... Agnew, look, he's the guy that's getting the ball most in key situations here from this wide receiver core. Marvin Jones should not be rostered in any league at this point. He's just not giving you any value. The other guy that needs to be rostered from the past game, Dan Arnold, was the leading receiver again at tight end. So it's become the Arnold and Agnew show. And a good thing that James Robinson, even with all this dysfunction there with Lawrence and all that, he did miss one game with a heel injury, but it was able to come back, look like the old James Robinson Scored a touchdown, was involved in the passing game, so he's back as an RB2, RB1 borderline that we love here in fantasy football. So that was one good takeaway, but it's passing game. Agnew and uh, Arnold, they can be productive. Like, you have to look at them just because they're getting key touches here, but you look at Agnew more as a wide receiver three. Dan Arnold, given this landscape of tight end, a lot of disappointment there, I think he's back in tight end one. So 
That kind of tells you how bad it is for Marvin Jones that those two guys are playing key roles here to help Trevor Lawrence, even in a sputtering passing game. All right, let's start our attention to a, another lopsided, one-sided affair, really. The Colts did hang on to beat the Jaguars, but the Patriots uh, didn't need to really do anything there in the fourth quarter to beat the Browns. All over them, the big game by Ramondre Stevenson, exactly 100 yards rushing, a couple of scores here for Stevenson. Damian Harris couldn't get cleared with his concussion. We were waiting on Stevenson. We knew he was going to have a big role should Harris not play, and that's what happened. Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor both limited touches behind him, but Stevenson looked good. He caught passes. He was effective in the passing game, which he has been doing when James White has been out. And uh, this looked very good as a power runner. He finishes drives well. He does little things well. And we knew that. I mean, he was a very talented back. Oklahoma's a very good system for running backs there. So it really was all about the opportunity. And Harris not being there. Bolden, a little less usage. Early, he had to fight J.J. Taylor to get on the field. And then not having James White. That all lined up here perfectly. And it didn't matter. The Browns' run defense was tough. They put in extra blockers. They used wide receivers. They used tight ends. They used extra offensive linemen. The Patriots did whatever to do to, quote, get a hat on a hat. Open things up in the running game. That's what they do. They got their tight ends as well. Jody Smith didn't play this game, but Hunter Henry effective. Gets in the end zone again. Kendrick Bourne was used a bit of as a gadget player. His best use, and he only had four targets, but caught all four. One of the better games Mac Jones has played. Bourne found the end zone. Henry found the end zone. And Jacoby Myers, with a game out of hand, he found the end zone from Brian Hoyer. So, Again, uh, this uh, Patriots offense kind of putting it together. It's tough to try, trust the wide receiver still. I'm not sure that I'm looking at Bourne and Myers and chasing their box score looking for plays here. They still both uh, didn't clear 50 yards receiving in this game. So keep that in mind. Don't chase it. But if you're desperate there in the right spot here where you think the Patriots at home or another situation look like they're going to dominate a team, that's going to open things up for everybody in the offense. So what we saw here with their main guys, uh, Bourne, and Myers, and Henry, and the running backs here, and Mac Jones put together a nice day. So, Mac Jones in a comfortable situation, playing off the run, but he's TD dependent. He didn't get more than 200 yards passing this game, so all that, keep that in mind. That said, it's a very good matchup this week, short week against the Falcons. The running game should be effective, set things up downfield as well. So, Mac, uh, you gotta like the way he's playing, playing off the run, and having a lot of fantasy football relevance with the TD passes here. So far, Stevenson will see. Harris will see if he can get cleared. Short week here. Stevenson could be the man here turning around and playing against it in Atlanta this week and uh, still handle the majority of the workload should Harris be out. All right, let's look at the Browns side of things. And with the Browns, uh, it's pretty ugly. You had uh, Dearness Johnson. He looked very good. I mean, he was definitely looking like the super sub he was a few weeks ago against the Broncos. Uh, Nick Chubb couldn't be cleared from the COVID-19 list. He also didn't have Demetric Felton. So, they have to use a lot of uh, Johnson in the passing game. Big game from scrimmage from him with no touchdowns. So you had to like that. But we told you to avoid all the Browns receivers if you could. Austin Hooper had the early touchdown. He thought, okay, the Browns might be in this game. But they kind of disappeared after that point. The Patriots defense dominated. Baker Mayfield didn't look all that effective. And then he hurt his knee again and had to come out of the game for Case Keenum. So this really messy Browns offense there. So really simple with the Browns offense. If Nick Chubb or Dearness Johnson or Kareem Hunt has a key role in the backfield, those are the Browns you're starting. Everything else is hit or miss. Even the defense here, the defense was terrible. If you played the Browns and streamed them against the Patriots, you got very little return. So Patriots, great job of scheming Miles Garrett out of their way and all that and good stuff. So Patriots coaching is important, and we saw that. So I'm really confident the Patriots will coach the right way to get the plays they need 
against Atlanta this week. Last game we'll talk about in this segment, the Bills and Jets. Uh, this was all Bills for the most part, and the Jets got some garbage time, but Mike White was an interception machine here against his Bills secondary. Not a surprise. Their pressure made him have mistakes. We also thought the Bills would get the running game going. That did happen. Three backs did score touchdowns. When I say three, Zach Moss was cleared from a concussion, got in the end zone. Devin Singletary got the late touchdown there when the game was out of hand. And all of a sudden, Matt Breida was a thing. He scored on a wheel route. He scored on a rush. Crazy. They've hardly used Matt Breida. Maybe they're looking for a spark here. That They pushed Foss and Singletary not getting what they needed out of them. So that hurt the value of Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox because he had yet a third option appear here that, that can complement the wide receiver, Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. So they kind of reverted back to basics. A lot of uh, committee running and usage in the backfield. A lot of Stephon Diggs. He dominates the game here. Against this Jets coverage has an old school Stephon Diggs big play type game from Josh Allen. We'll see about Breida. He just might have clouded this backfield more. Am I going to chase the Breida points knowing that Singletary and Moss are still here this week against the Colts? I'm going to be careful about that. So with the Bills, Stephon Diggs, again, it hurts when they use other people because Dawson Knox didn't see a lot of action after early coming back from his hand injury. They didn't need Colt Beasley a lot. So you don't want the Bills to have too easy of a time. But I think they just went back to basics to say, look, we're not going to get fancy throwing the ball. And the funny thing is uh, Josh Allen still pushed above 300 yards passing easily here with a couple scores. So three on the ground here. Breida does a double. You have Diggs get the other one here. So, again, week to week with the Bills, but I think they just want to simplify things, and you knew maybe some of the extra peripheral players would be kind of left out of the scoring, and that's exactly what happened here for Buffalo. For the Jets here, uh, it was the rookies again. Michael Carter, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore took him a while to get going, but he got that garbage touchdown late at 44 yards receiving there. Michael Carter's, when Mike White is in there, it's check down city. And Carter just racks up yards from scrimmage. He's always the guy they use near the goal line. So he's become a very solid, reliable RB2 in most weeks. Even last week, he had the long catch to kind of salvage a day and half and full point PPR. But Carter... They definitely didn't check down to him as much when Josh Johnson in there. Mike White did. So we'll see if Zach Wilson can return. He was close. He got some practices there later in the week with his knee injury. They do play the Dolphins this week, so that's appealing for Michael Carter and Elijah Moore here. But the two rookies need to be showcased more, and maybe the third rookie, Wilson, coming back is going to help them a little bit more with Mike White really struggling. All right, we will get into the last eight games here of the Week 10 action, uh, the takeaways for fantasy football for you on the show, Roundup Monday, Locked on Fantasy Football. Does this sound familiar? you got one device that lets you catch, catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV.com. That's DirectTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, time to continue the show looking at four other games here as we... We transition from 1 p.m. Eastern Time results to the 4 p.m. Eastern Time late afternoon window. We'll do that here in a moment. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right. 
Lions-Steelers. Do we have to talk about this? Yeah, we have to. There's some things that we could take away from this that were pretty good. Let's start with the Lions side of things, where they just were relentlessly running the ball. Dan Campbell, coming off the bye, took over the offensive play calling, their offensive-minded head coach. What did he do? He just said, run, 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 and until the Steelers can control it, keep doing it, wear them down, don't try to pass often. Jared Goff against a tough pass rush. DeAndre Swift gets 133 yards rushing. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the touchdowns. This is back to uh, Jamar Jefferson, who actually hurt his ankle late in the game. There, he looked good the previous uh, game against the Eagles, so he scores again. Second straight game for him. He also had uh, Gordon Igubike. He was a converted to defensive back that they put on their bench there to address not having Jamal Williams in here. So Williams and Jefferson score, but really the relentless use of DeAndre Swift, you got to love that. What you can't love is the fact that TJ Hawkinson, limited targets and zero catches. I mean, he's your best offensive weapon. He's a budding star. You don't have anything at wide receiver, but this is all a Jared Goff. They need to make a change, I think. I would go to David Blau. Let's see what you have here. Really, no one can be worse at this point than Jared Goff. Blau, we've seen some moments from him from last year when he needed to play there for Matthew Stafford. So, now give Blau a chance. It can't be any worse, but this passing game is atrocious. So, it's good DeAndre Swift got it done on the ground here with the yardage. You'd love to see some more in terms of the receptions and TD love, but the Lions uh, tried anything to get a win. They got close. It was 16-16 tie in overtime. They had a chance there with uh, Santoso missing the field goal late for them in this game. That uh, would have given them a huge upset in this one. But no, still no win here. Then they limp in here to a game on the road against Cleveland here in week 11. And hope uh, that's a get-well game for that Browns offense as well. Now the Steelers didn't have Ben Roethlisberger. That was a late week twist. It really came down on Saturday here that Roethlisberger on the COVID-19 list not starting. So Mason Rudolph was pretty darn awful. You had... uh, James Washington score early. We said, here we go. Rudolph looks pretty good here. He's going to get the offense going here without Chase Claypool, without Roethlisberger. No, nope. didn't happen. You at least had Deontay Johnson put together a good receiving day without Claypool in the lineup. Pat Freermuth, you expect a lot more, but not having Roethlisberger hurt. Then he made a catch down the sidelines late as they were trying to set up the winning field goal very late in overtime, but he fumbled. So you got a minus play from Freemuth as well. So really disappointing. The Big Ben really changed up everything. One thing that didn't change was Najee Harris's effectiveness. He was very good. Got the 100 yards rushing, was involved in the passing game. Just no touchdown there for Harris, just like we saw with Swift on the other side. But yeah, we'll see about Claypool. See if he can come back here. They're playing the Chargers on Sunday night. So a little bit extra time if he needs to warm up and play. Chargers did give a big game to Justin Jefferson last week or this week. So we'll talk about that game in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, we hope that uh, Roethlisberger can get back. As much as Roethlisberger was struggling, he still facilitates a lot of these guys, and it helps Harris and move the ball, and especially Freemuth missed him a lot, and no Claypool, I think, added a little bit more to Mason's Rudolph challenge here, replacing Roethlisberger. The Steelers' defense, one note here, really disappointing if you played them in some sense. Uh, You thought they would shut down the Lions, but they got run all over, so not a lot of uh, plays there they could do against the quarterback here. But T.J. Watt had uh, some major injuries here. We'll see hip and knee stuff. We'll see if he's out long-term. That's really going to hurt the prospects as well as Joe Hayden on the back end getting hurt for the Steelers' uh, defense. That could change the perspective on how they defend people. And uh, with the Chargers up next here, that could really be a break for Justin Herbert if they lose their top veteran corner and by far their top pass rusher and uh, maybe the best pass rusher right now in the entire NFL. 
Let's go to the Saints-Titans game. The Saints, uh, Mark Ingram, uh, he came back and came back to life here. They needed Alvin Kamara replacement. He played like an Alvin Kamara replacement, getting in the end zone, getting involved in the passing game. They really needed that to pick the, up their offense. They looked pretty good. I mean, this Trevor Simeon version of the offense is pretty darn good. It keeps everyone involved. Marcus Callaway had a touchdown. Deontay Harris had a pretty good receiving game. Unfortunately, he lost a fumble, or it could have been a bigger game for him. But Harris definitely being treated as a top target here. Callaway doing red zone work. Traquan Smith doing red zone work. So it's hard to trust Callaway and Smith. I think the one guy you're looking at with the usage and the targets from uh, Trevor Simeon, as long as they stick with him as a starter and don't pivot to Taysom Hill. Deontay Harris is the guy I like, but yeah, they all have a little bit of value here. A touchdown dependent more so with Callaway and Smith, but Harris, a uh, good wide receiver three option, half point in PPR leaning leagues here. If you've been desperate there, nothing still to see a tight end consistently with Adam Troutman and the others. So Mark Ingram, the guy that uh, you wanted to come back and uh, be kind of a Kamar light. So you knew this offense well, so that was very helpful that they could just plug him in, the former uh, Texan and Raven. Back to being in New Orleans, uh, the team that drafted him in the first round, where he's a Heisman winner from Alabama. He looked good and comfortable, liked being part of the Saints again, and almost uh, allowed them to win here the upset. Now, we also had the former Saint running back, Adrian Peterson, on the other side. But what we saw here, Peterson struggled to get going. You had uh, Jeremy McNichols drop a key touchdown pass and didn't look good in general. So Dante Foreman looks like the guy that they're going with. So I think they put all these three guys in a blender, see who would spit out and be the most productive here with Derrick Henry. Go figure, it is Dante Foreman, the former Texas running back, uh, Texans running back as well. There, so Foreman looking good. They get the Texans this week, so good opportunity for Foreman to stay hot in this one. And uh, should be picked up. If he wasn't picked up like Ingram in all leagues last week, must pick up this week for sure for Tennessee. He also had Marcus Johnson. We'll see now. Julio Jones, we learned uh, right before the game as well. We liked him in this matchup. So it would say the number two receiver who was going to get big play chances would go off in this one. It just happened to be Marcus Johnson, not Nick Westbrook-Akine. They really did a number there, the Saints, to contain A.J. Brown with Marshawn Lattimore and others. A.J. Brown was pretty much shut down this game. So that's a bit of a concern. When you don't have Julio out there, is all the attention going to go on A.J. Brown, wherever he's on the field, double-team him, whether they try to scheme him open or not, and open things up in the rest of the field. But... Yeah, Marcus Johnson, I don't know if I chased that box score, but it's intriguing because I think that's how they would have ideally liked to use a healthy Julia Jones trying to stretch the field, make some big plays there, playing off Brown. So something going to watch there. Nick Westbrook-Akine, we've seen him, and Josh Reynolds. None of those guys have really been able to step up. But a number two wide receiver there, especially with tight end uh, Jeff Swain not doing all that much, or Anthony Ferkser. Someone has a little bit of a feel in deeper leagues as maybe a wide receiver three should they be impressed with Johnson and want to get him more opportunities here. I've always liked his speed and skill set. He just had to be on the right team. So go figure that Deontay Foreman and Marcus Johnson might be two of the more valuable Titans at this stage of the season, along with A.J. Brown and uh, Ryan Tannehill, who gets it done in different ways with his uh, arm and legs. So Tannehill is kind of feeling a groove and kind of lifting this team when it's stuck. So Good, surprising fantasy results for both teams here in a matchup we didn't have high expectations for offensively. Let's go to the Bucks washington football team. And uh, this was a WFT-WTF type of game here for sure. The Bucks they salvaged a nice game for Chris Godwin there and Mike Evans. And uh, Tom Brady did get them situated in the end zone and they had some big plays. So you're happy with Godwin Evans. I think you were looking for more in this game. But Tom Brady, another... Two interception game. Does get the multiple touchdowns, but really negated. Couldn't push to 300 yards. You thought he was going to light up 
this Washington defense. But give credit to the Washington defense. Before and after Chase Young went down this game, they played really well. The Washington offense also held the ball a lot, controlled the action. And uh, Brady, those two interceptions really hurt the chances there for the Bucks. Leonard Fournette had a pretty solid game. No sign of anyone. Ronald Jones, Gio Bernard really cutting into Fournette's workload after the bye. So he's good to go, locked in with an RB1 type work every week. And again, Godwin and Evans, Godwin able to play through the foot injury. They came through. You knew it was Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski out. It was going to be another opportunity for those two. And you saw that here this week. And again, this disappointing the Bucks couldn't light up the scoreboard more, losing 29-19 in a bizarre score there with uh, some extra point uh, weirdness there that happened in the game. Washington football team, you had to be pleased with Antonio Gibson. He didn't look too limited by the shin injury. He had a fracture in there that he was playing with. Coming off the bye, look, he didn't really light it up yardage-wise, but we didn't expect that against Tampa Bay's tough defense. So Gibson gets a couple scores. We saw him kind of come to life as a rookie in November, and we might see that again. Maybe we need some health there. And the receiving court still goes a lot through Terry McLaurin here. And DeAndre Carter, someone we're looking at, maybe we've been sleeping on him a little bit, but they're tired of waiting for Curtis Samuel to come back from growing injury to have impact. Cam Sims, DeAndre Brown, not quite ready to do anything with this offense. So they said, we need somebody to step up. They went to DeAndre Carter. He looked pretty good in this game, had a touchdown. So maybe McLaurin has a little bit of help. That's going to probably help McLaurin see things open up, as well as Logan Thomas maybe being on the way back here at tight end. They need him because Ricky Seals-Jones had a hip injury in this game. So... Seals Jones looked pretty good as a weapon here before he had to exit. J.D. McKissick getting some key touches in the passing game, but that's about it. But big development here with Gibson getting back on track here, at least with the scores. I mean, it all counts. I mean, we saw Zeke Elliott have the two short touchdown game, not much else. Touchdowns are big in fantasy football. We know that in all scoring formats there. And Gibson getting that usage again actually looked very good doing it in the red zone there for the Bucks. The next game... We break down here as we switch to 4 p.m. Another big upset here. The Panthers going on the road to beat the Cardinals. Part of it is there's no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins. So they tried to make it happen with Colt McCoy one more week. It didn't quite happen. He got hurt in the game, actually, with a pec injury. They had to put in Chris Strebler. Remember him? He had to start there in a bad situation for the Cardinals late in the season. That really hurt them last year. Trying to get in the playoffs this year. They're a playoff team for now with their record. But you knew they were... Limited here, their passing game. And Christian Kirk had a pretty solid game replacing uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but Ronda Moore, a blip on the radar here. A.J. Green just doesn't do much at all here. So these weapons that look endless for the Cardinals all of a sudden are very limited. When you don't have Hopkins, you don't have Murray in there, you have Zach Ertz uh, doing a little pedestrian route running and all that to help. So pretty much Christian Kirk was it. James Conner, it took a while. It took garbage time for him to get a touchdown in this one, but... You thought he was going to have a much bigger game against the Panthers' run defense, but the game script was negative. But he worked to relevance here without Chase Edmonds, not a lot of Eno Benjamin. They just uh, worked him there with the yardage there and a touchdown to salvage James Conner's day. As an RB1, where uh, he didn't look good even as an RB2 for much of this game here for the Cardinals. We'll see if Kyler Murray can return, nagging ankle injury. What's looming over both Kyler Murray with the ankle and DeAndre Hopkins the hamstring is they have a bye after this game against the Seahawks. So do they just not take their chances and try to get these guys fully healthy for the stretch run? Or do they realize that they could lose a Seahawks game and the Rams are gaining on them and they need as much as they can get? So things we have to look at all week, but no guarantee that either Murray or Hopkins returns after two weeks' absence in 
this game here this week against Seattle. Against the Panthers, they gave up a lot in the rushing attack to Christian McCaffrey. He had a big uh, yardage day, so fully healthy. Christian McCaffrey's back. What would have really made Christian McCaffrey's game great if he could have finished a couple of drives with touchdowns. Instead, what happens? You have Cam Newton scoring, coming in and doing it with his legs in the first one. So they actually took uh, Christian McCaffrey and uh, moved him around, and then there was a decoy, and then Cam Newton got the rushing touchdown. And the second time, they took McCaffrey out of the game near the goal line when he didn't quite score, and they threw a short pass that was easy to complete to Robbie Anderson there. So Cam Newton vultured two touchdowns there. He didn't even start. P.J. Walker really struggled in his place, so Cam may have a regular role if he has a playbook and play against Washington. So... We'll see. Washington used to be that easy matchup here, but maybe it's a little tougher with Ron Rivera coming in and knowing Newton's tendency. So we'll see how that plays out here. But in Newton, two short plays there and two scores. McCaffrey really could have had three. He actually had a chance for the last one, but Chuba Hubbard came in off the bench and vultured that one. So McCaffrey could have just destroyed it in a monster game. But as it stands in most formats, you'll take that kind of game from CMC. And he came through again. Newton... I don't know if I would have a starting appeal a little fluky in the game that they put him in two very highly favorable red zone situations when he came through. We still are not sure if he's gonna got, they're going to put out there consistently. And we saw pivot a little bit. DJ Moore disappeared with uh, both Newton and Walker in there. Yet Robbie Anderson, however, score a touchdown, get a little bit more involved, still not a high volume. So Panthers going back to their running routes, a lot of McCaffrey out of the backfield rushing and a lot of the receptions as well. Ten catches here for McCaffrey. Ten catches! So they're going to get the ball as much as possible to McCaffrey, and that's what we saw in this game. All right, four more games to talk about. We'll hit those in our final segment here from uh, Roundup Monday, all the action in Week 10 and all the important takeaways that you know. i got to tell you about Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Bilt Bar right now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or wax. You're just plain hard to choke down. A Bilt Bar is soft, covered in 100% chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Bilt Bar is a low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high-protein. So all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. So many flavors. Another great thing about Bilt Bar, there's so many mouth-watering flavors, as I mentioned, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and Jared Barcia. And this month, in November, Bilt is coming out with new limited-time flavors every three to four days. So check out their website. Often, you don't want to miss out. Go to Bilt.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props and odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action of the season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at Bet Online for the 2021 season of choice. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, let's uh, continue the show and uh, close the show here, looking at the final four games there, all the way through Sunday night football. 
The Vikings-Chargers game. This was the Dalvin Cook-Justin Jefferson show. Adam Thielen was decent, but he didn't get in the end zone. Tyler Conklin was the cameo appearance there with a couple touchdowns. We knew it was a great matchup for Conklin. The Chargers cannot cover the tight end. We've seen that, but he came through big time. If you put, We recommended him actually in DFS this week, and a really good performance there by Conklin and key red zone spots. You know if you get the running game going, you're going to get the play-action pass game, the tight ends are going to be productive. And that's usually correlated here. Keep that in mind. If you can run the ball on team, they have weakness there. They often have weakness because they don't have an extra person in the box. That's not good safety play. It's surprising because you have Derwin James and all that for the Chargers, but that's not a point of emphasis there. We've had this with Brandon Staley there with the Rams. This, they've been weak against the run and allowed things happen here. So Dalvin Cook, big game. Finally got in the end zone. He got vultured a couple times by Conklin. Justin Jefferson, a nice game for him as well. Scoring and just getting all over the field here. So he's the alpha. Adam Thielen is a good complimentary receiver, but a bit touchdown red zone dependent here. And this matchup was rather tough, but Jefferson showed his talent is a little bit better here. And he overcame that. So Kirk Cousins, a decent game with those scores there in this one for the Vikings. And all the Vikings principles came through for the most part, except for that quiet afternoon from Thielen. Now for the Chargers, another disappointing game for Justin Herbert. This is a great matchup. The Vikings secondary was beat up. No Daniel Hunter, no Anthony Barr, no Michael Pierce. Everybody that was key for this Vikings front was out. Their secondary is a mess. And what do we get? We get less than 200 yards passing from Justin Herbert. So taking away the big plays, I thought Mike Williams was going to be a thing, but totally did not use Mike Williams in the right way. A lot of uh, passes to Keenan Allen, who was very good in this game. The only real action came from Austin Eckler. He struggled on the ground, and the game script really pulled him out of it. He was good through the air and all that, but yeah, Justin Herbert, tough guy to trust when you see the matchup here. This is the second time in a few games that he's just been pretty bad here, and again, Herbert maybe going through a bit of a sophomore slump. Teams uh, defending him a different way, learning his way through it. He's got a big arm, still making nice throws here, but Needs a little bit of help from the defense to stay on the field, make big plays, and all that kind of stuff. So, looking at uh, Justin Herbert, we're going to be on alert here. They do play the Steelers this week. That can be a tough matchup. But, again, if Hayden and Watt are out, that changes things. We know the Steelers have allowed some uh, downfield passing production and some good scoring to athletic quarterbacks. They did that with Justin Fields just in Week 9. So, Herbert could be a rebound spot, but I think he's more of a middling QB1 in that matchup here. This week, Eckler is fine. Allen looks good here. Second straight game, he's had a, a big one here. But Mike Williams, we knew he was going to come down to earth, and it's happened here pretty hard here for the Chargers' second wide receiver. Looking for a free agent contract there in 2022. Let's stay out in the Pacific slash Mountain Time Zone. We're actually moving from Los Angeles back out to Denver in this one uh, the Broncos, we, we like the Eagles to pull off the upset. We were lukewarm a little bit on Teddy Bridgewater. We said, if you're really desperate, you could use him. But we're not loving this matchup, especially if Darius Slay and Avante Maddox play. And that's what happened here. They both played. A lot of stuff was contained. Cortland Sun was pretty much erased. Jerry Judy was uh, okay. He looked like the best wide receiver on this team, but still very limited. Tim Patrick had some opportunities that... Didn't materialize in this game, and then all of a sudden they went to the two tight ends, and Noah Fan had a very good game down the middle of the field, but Albert Okunim had the long play and the bigger impact here in the game than Noah Fan. So a little bit disturbing there that Bridgewater has Bridgewatered the offense in terms of inside, slot, possession. That's the way they're going to move the ball here. 
Melvin Gordon got the touchdown on the backfield, so disappointing that uh, you can get Javante Williams going again against this Eagles team that plays two deep safeties, dares you to run, and they just didn't run as effectively. And the game script got a hand as well, where Broncos were pushed out of their comfortable element, and Bridgewater, not a quarterback, meant to put up those numbers when trailing here in a game. So, tough break there. Gordon did come through. He's the one guy that did to reliably do it, to Fant coming back. And enough from Jerry Judy, but yeah, Corlin Sutton really disappointing. And I think Corlin Sutton has been hurt ever since they made the decision. It's going to be Bridgewater over Drew Locke because Locke would have taken more chances to Sutton and all that. So we'll see if there's a change here down the stretch as the Broncos try to evaluate everything ahead of 2022. Maybe give Drew Locke one last chance. This offense for the Eagles, they stayed run heavy. A lot of Boston Scott, a lot of Jordan Howard, a lot of uh, Jalen Hurts in the running game. So Kenneth Gainwell. They need him in games where they trail. They did not trail in this game. They were in control with Scott and Howard and Hurts running the ball for most of it. They lost Dallas Goddard in the middle of the game. He might have had a bigger game, but he was lost to a concussion here. So it all lined up for Devonta Smith to have his best game as a pro. It was his birthday, we found out here. So don't bench guys on their birthday, especially talented guys who won the Heisman Trophy playing wide receiver at Alabama. So... Devonta Smith showed it off. He made a great play against Pat Sertan, too. Speaking of Alabama, his former teammate that he knows well in practice there with Nick Saban and all that. And uh, he came through, scored on a nice play, showed his talent there. And then he was wide open, the other one there from Jalen Hurts. So Hurts starting to feel it, getting the chemistry going with Smith. The running game is always pretty high-level effectiveness here for Hurts. So we said stick with Jalen Hurts. People were off him, thought he was going to bust this week. But... It seemed to line up here. As the Eagles run the ball, that opens things up in the passing game. The Broncos provided some cushion there. And Hurts looked good as a runner and a passer this week. So we heard the rumblings of Gardner Minshew a couple weeks ago. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Eagles have pivoted more to the run, taking pressure off Hurts. Hurts is playing a little bit better. It's all lining up here well for the Eagles offense. They get the Saints this week. So very intriguing because, remember, that was the game where Hurts had last year at home that kind of got his breakout there, taking over for Carson Wentz as a rookie. So... Hertz has been a QB1 all year. Don't doubt him. He gets away to get the job done almost every week. All right, let's uh, turn our attention to the Seahawks-Packers game. This was brutal. 17-0. Packers win. That means the Seahawks did nothing offensively, which is true. Alex Collins still needing to play for Chris Carson. Too bad Chris Carson couldn't come in this game. I think he would have been key here to help Russell Wilson. But Carson uh, still needs some time. Maybe he'll return against the Cardinals this week. That would be helpful. Here, I think he's close to return, so that should be the case. But Alex Collins, it's over. He just didn't look that good. And Russell Wilson, I think he came back too early with a finger injury. We overestimated his ability to heal, that he was spending 19 to 20 hours or whatever he said to get his finger going after he had that injury against the Rams on Thursday night a few weeks ago. But Wilson, you could see some of the throws were off. DK Metcalf got frustrated at the point he just had to be ejected like he just didn't want to be part of this mess anymore so Seahawks don't score a point that's really hard to do against Packers defense a lot of injury issues highly disappointing DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett have such quiet disappearing games in this one along with Collins and Wilson so yeah so flush the entire Seahawks performance down the toilet maybe they will rebound here against the Cardinals who have some offensive uh, and defensive issues of their own here going into week 11 now the Packers they took a long time to get going. What happened to Aaron Rodgers? I think he looked rusty post-COVID list. Devontae Adams still feeling a little bit, uh, trying to get going. So the passing game had some moments, but still 
amount of uh, pay dirt there in the end. It really all came down to A.J. Dillon this game. Aaron Jones also got hurt. So, bummer there to know that Jones had a sprained MCL, had to leave with a knee injury here. So, But if you had A.J. Dillon stacked behind Jones, you're in great shape. If you didn't do that, someone else is going to benefit big time while Jones is out. Because Dillon looked fantastic. He's the reason they won this game, folks. I mean, they kind of did not uh, pass well in this one. Jones looked pretty good. They worked both Jones and Dillon out of the backfield as receivers. That really kind of sparked this offense. But Dillon had the two touchdowns. So coming off the bench, big game for Dillon. Puts the Seahawks away. And you can feel really confident about Dillon and his uh, talent from Boston College pretty much being a plug-and-play RB1 for Aaron Jones. So some of those players we like in fantasy, that's why we like drafting a player like Aaron Jones. Yeah, I got a clear backup. You get that player. Very productive, talented backup. You know you're always going to be attached to the Green Bay backfield and produce. And yet another lesson to learn in fantasy football. Kind of know where you have to be aggressive to get your handcuffs. Because you'd be in great shape now. If you had Dylan, if you're an Aaron Jones owner, if someone else has got Dylan, you've got an automatic potential RB1. That's how big these some of these uh, top backups can be for your fantasy football teams. Finally, the last game we'll talk about is the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs offense, I don't think it ever went anywhere. They just got a defense that finally complied everything they wanted to do. They tried to contain him with the big plays, but the Chiefs were patient. They ran the ball, threw to Darrell Williams, hit a big game, rushing and receiving in this one. 100 yards through the air and a touchdown for him. Travis Kelsey didn't get a touchdown, but he looked very good in this game. His backup, the rookie Noah Gray from Duke, actually scored the well, touchdowns. He had Byron Pringle score, so he had Pringle and Williams and Gray score. Who were the other two? They went to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill looked very good in this one. Uh, they used him underneath, and they finally got some shot plays to him when the Raiders were worn down. They were playing against the run, and they left uh, Hill open, and he made some big plays there. So, huge game from Hill. Pretty solid, awesome game from Travis Kelsey going back over 110 yards receiving here. So, the principals both go off at the same time, Hill and Kelsey. Darrell Williams, a big game, maybe for the last time here, filling in for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's set to return maybe for this Cowboys matchup. This big matchup here in Week 11. So the principles for the Chiefs came through. The peripheral players did too. Pringle and Gray and some of the others uh, there. Uh, they didn't try to force the ball to other people like Michael Hardman. They just trusted their principles here, threw them with the ball, let the action come to them, run it when needed. Mahomes was very patient there, bought time, made the plays needed. So five touchdowns for Mahomes. Mahomes is back. Don't worry about it. Kelsey and Hill can produce in the same game at the same time at a high level. Thank you, Raiders defense, for the get-well game, and I think it'll continue next week at home against the Cowboys, who have a lot of holes in their defense away from Trayvon Diggs and their run-stopping here going into the game. Now, let's look at the Raiders. Uh, I don't know what's up with the Raiders. Uh, it looks like Derek Carr is, like, destroying the offense by himself. Like, he's squeezing it. They desperately want to get the ball downfield. They did that once with Deshaun Jackson, but he turned around. He got disoriented, and he got stripped there by Rashad Fenton and the Chiefs secondary, so... Yeah, they tried. They did get the long shot to Brian Edwards that worked. They got a short one to Hunter Renfro, who we loved in this game, to work. But the Darren Waller-Derek Carr connection, we need that to reheat again. Darren Waller's been very quiet. and He's battled a little bit of an in- injury. He's missed some time. He missed the Eagles game a couple weeks ago. They had a bye week, so maybe Waller's trying to become the usual Darren Waller here. But they had some opportunities, including a touchdown pass that wasn't a touchdown pass because it was called back for holding on the last gas drive. So you could have still salvaged a three-touchdown game from Derek Carr with those throws to Renfro Edwards and the end. Waller, but you settled for two. It was ugly otherwise here. 
The running game. What happened to the Raiders' running game? We thought that was going to big, be a big part of what they do. The Chiefs can't stop the run. You had Josh Jacobs and Kenny Drake. Kenny Drake's receiving, but none of that happened here in this game either. So really disappointing game for the Raiders' offense overall here, especially at Waller or any of the running backs when it was uh, Renfro and Edwards uh, coming through most here for Las Vegas in this game, and their defense was terrible. Chiefs' defense actually played pretty well for a second straight week after slowing down. Jordan Love and the Packers last week. So there you have it. There's a breakdown of the 12 games there. We had on Sunday for fantasy football and the perspective there from the NFL. We already broke down Ravens-Dolphins for you. We still have to talk about the Rams-49ers. We'll do that tomorrow. And also uh, talk waiver wire on Pickup Tuesday here for a Locked On Fantasy Football. We talk a little bit gambling here with our fantasy. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great day and uh, good luck if you need any Rams and 49ers tonight. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow with waiver wire advice for Pickup Tuesday.